0: The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Greetings, geeks, and welcome to another edition of Wizards Half, the podcast where we get into all the nitty-gritty details we didn't have time for on the main show. This is mini episode 40.5, and let's jump right in. Alright, so first up here, there is the Halloween contest, yes, the annual event everybody looked forward to back in the day when you were reading Wizard. That one we will not be covering on this mini episode because Michael and I had a 40-minute conversation just getting into our thoughts on all of the costumes, that will be be presented as a special video on youtube so make sure you go over there and check it out you'll get the visuals as well as our commentary but as far as other contests go let's talk about cap's kooky contests Alright, so first up here is called the Play with the Good Skin contest, which I think there's a little devil entendre there. But the Good Skin, for those who don't know, is the name that Eric Dacia calls his exo armor he calls it the good skin your buds over at valiant and wizard press have teamed up to see how creative you can get when we dangle all sorts of neat prizes in front of you so if you want a chance to have a dinner with exo and win some really cool crap read on and so there's a guy in an actual costume looks like he might be the official valiant exo man award cosplayer and he says hey watch it this suit only looks soft anyway the grand prize for one winner is Exo Manowar himself will visit you in your hometown and take you out to dinner. He's even promised to use utensils for this special occasion. Plus, he'll hand over to you an original piece of artwork signed by the entire Exo Manowar staff. Second prize is an original piece of Exo artwork for you to frame proudly. Third prize is a copy of the gold edition of Exo Manowar number 0 signed by Jorge Gonzalez and Exo Trade Paperback and an Exo Trade Paperback signed by Bob Layton. Fourth prize is a full set of the Wolfbridge Affair story line Exoman War 37 through 40 signed by the artists Rick Levins and Randy Elliott. So, how do I win Simple. Since it's Halloween time and everyone's costume minded, we'd like to see what Eric would look like on Halloween night. Draw a picture of Exomatter or Trick or Treating for Halloween. The way you think his armor would appear in another different wilder form. For example, Eric says to himself, "I'd like my armor to look like Frankenstein's monster." So the armor would have various nuts and bolts all over it. It's all up to you and your imagination. Your drawing can be in either full color or black and white, but please follow those old directions below and be original. Remember, art quality doesn't count. But we're also looking for truly original ideas. So yeah, so this is something very much along the lines of the Vampirella contest they did recently. So it's kind of fun here. Looking forward to seeing all those entries and what people came up with. But, you know, we can't get into these contests without checking out the fine print. So let's see what we got here in the legal stuff. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, avoid your communications, their immediate families, and anybody who doesn't chuckle a little bit every time Eric blows a two-foot hole in a spider alien come on people that's comedy (laughs) yes indeed next Ted Buck says that during the grand prize dinner, the waiter spills soup on Eric and Exo rips off one of his arms and beats him with the bloodied stump. Well, hey, staying on that violent streak there. I will say also that they have the return of the winner announcements from previous contests, and so they say congratulations to Ed Weiss of New York, New York, the winner of Wizard number 37's X-Men contest. I don't remember which contest that was. It was so long ago at this point. But there you go, the Exo- or costume contest. What do we have next? Sticking with the Halloween theme, it says carve this. With that All Hallows Eve thing coming up any day now, you can either waste your time sitting around waiting to turn the hose on any kids sneaking around with eggs and shaving cream or else join Malibu and Wizard Press in celebrating Halloween by creating your own Lord Pumpkin Jack-O-Lantern. For those who don't know, Lord Pumpkin was this new villainous, kind of tragic villain that had popped up in the Malibu universe. I will tell you as well last Halloween for the Retro Network Halloween special, Michael and I listed like our top scariest comic book characters and on my list was Lord Pumpkin so you guys might get a chance to hear Michael's picks and some of mine as well but let's get back to this contest the grand prize here a complete set of color keys from Lord Pumpkin number zero as well as a copy of Lord Pumpkin number zero both signed by Dan Danko and Aaron Lepresti if that's not enough of old Pumpkinhead then how's about a complete set of Ultraverse comics featuring Lord Pumpkin as well I actually totally would have wanted to win this a second prize Lord Pumpkin number Zero signed by Danco and Lopresti, and a complete set of Ultraverse comics featuring Lord Pumpkin. Second prize ain't bad either. And third prize, all those friggin' Ultraverse comics for the king of huge orange vegetables made an appearance. Again, I think in this case, if I had entered this, there would have been no way of losing, because that's exciting to me. So, how do you enter? Simply take a photo, no Polaroids, and focus of your own homemade Lord Pumpkin head carved from a genuine pumpkin. You can either keep it simple or add stuff to it to make it look even more Lord Pumpkin-ish. Heck, if you're up to it, perform the necessary ritual and give it a soul. That'd be a sure bet to win. Then fill out the official Lord Pumpkin coupon below, stick it in an envelope along with your photograph, slap a stamp on it, the envelope, not the photo, dummy, and mail it to the Lord Pumpkin contest. Alright, let's see what we got here in the legal stuff. No purchase necessary. Contest is open to anyone except to plays of Wizard and Malibu comics, their immediate families, and anyone who gives apples or pennies to trick-or-treaters. What the hell kind of lame-ass crap is that? <laughs> Ain't it the truth. All right, so now uh, the second joke in the fine print here. A little bit of a non-sequitur. So it says, Offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purpose and of rules of hereof. How does Garth feel about Wade's shady past as a horror character in the movie Halloween? Wow. That is a deep cut. Wait, Wayne? Who's Wayne? All right, all you horror buffs out there, talking to you, 50 Cent Comic Collector, what is that joke referring to, okay? I mean, is there a character named Wayne in the first Halloween movie? I don't remember that. All right, on to the next. And it's the big show, yeah. Okay, not quite. But this says Southern Showdown. Yee! yippee kaye! If you thought slinging hash and spitting and chaw was fun, you should take a gander at the Rockin' Southwest Comic Festival. Happened at the Austin Convention Center in Texas this December. That's where comic book and science fiction fans can thrill to the coolest combo of multimedia entertainment and tons of ready-to-meet-and-greet comics professionals. What? You don't think you can make it there? Don't despair because Thunderhead Entertainment and Wizard can help you. And your family out. Alright, so what is this all about? Let's find out what the grand prize is? VIP passes for a family of four, one of which must be the parent or legal guardian, at least 18 years of age, to the rip-roaring best freaking time you'll ever have. Southwest Comic Festival, where you can mosey right up to the stars of in the industry, plus tickets to the convention's exclusive fan dinner, where you'll meet the likes of Mark Hamill and Mark Sylvester. Don't worry, you can still go even if your name is not Mark or Mark. <laughs> in addition to round-trip airfare, transportation to and from the show, and hotel. Accommodations, Thunderhead Entertainment, the show sponsor, is also providing the winner with some mighty fine SWCF duds. So, you're wondering how a partner like yourself could win this here contest, right? Well, it couldn't be simpler. Just fill out that there. Official two-step in Texas coupon below. Attach a photocopy of a document proving that either you or someone you'll be traveling with is the parent or legal guardian of your family and 18 or older. Stick it all in an envelope and brandish a stamp on it and mail the whole caboodle off to... So there you go. They definitely uh, stuck with that Western theme there, Southwest comic convention here. Let's see in the fine print. Ah. Ah, uh, yes, here we go. No purchase necessary. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press and Thunderhead Entertainment, their immediate families, and anyone who didn't know that if it ain't big, it ain't from Texas. And uh, also next up here for our second joke. So, offer void were prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent to the purpose and rules thereof. You gotta ask yourself, did he fire five shots or six? To tell you the truth, in all this excitement, I've even forgotten myself. So a little bit of a Dirty Harry there. It's not quite a Western reference there talking about Dirty Harry, but, uh, you know, guns, I guess, is what they're thinking. All right, now this one is reporting on the winners of Wizard 37's Find the Blank Man contest, okay? So there were Blank Man logos on pages 6, 22, 64, 108, 138, and 224. Remember, we were having a hard time finding them all, so there it was all laid out. And so the grand prize went to Matthew Blake, age 12, of Chula Vista, California. But congratulations to the winners of the Wizard 37 Blank Man art contest. If you remember this, you had to actually make a little comic strip showing yourself as Blank Man's new sidekick. So the, the grand prize went to Brian Trigvi Lenning of Olympia, Washington, and second prize went to Charles Herbacilla of uh, Ghana, Guam, Joseph Briggs of Brooklyn, New York. So good for them. Now, uh, Brian's actual comic strip was printed in in the issue, in the Wizard News section. of when we were doing the episode, I'm like, oh, they never printed it. Probably nobody entered this contest. So we were getting a little uh, cynical, I guess you could say. But it's definitely there, and it's interesting because it has cameos by, like, The Mask and Spawn. And then at the very end, he draws Blank Man, but Blank Man is just the logo that they showed in the issue because nobody had seen the movie yet at that point when the contest was running. So anyway, very cool that they made good on that. All right off to the final contest again we're sticking with the Halloween theme here this one's called the Cauldron of Terror Look at you, cowering in fear at just the name of this contest. Well, don't you worry yourself. We're not planning on cooking the winners or anything. We're planning on giving you all the scary stuff you could eat, though. Two frighteningly lucky people, one who's 17 or under and one 18 or over, will be flooded with more monstrous goodies than you can shake a maggot riddled corpse at. So read on. The grand prize won huge, you got it, cauldron of monstrous goodies for all of you. We'll load you up with 15 fear-filled movies ranging from Halloween to The Shining Four of Anne Rice's thrilling vampire novels. Four nail-biting Stephen King novels. A copy of The Lady Death, The Reckoning, limited edition hardcover book. A silver edition of Our Dark Book, signed by cover artist Nelson. The Universal Monsters and Tales from the Crypt trading card sets. Tons of candy to rot your anxiously awaiting teeth and to top it all off. A Frankenstein's Monster cold cast statue from Dark Horse. Okay, I think you guys can guess probably what stuck out to me here. Now there's a silver edition of The Dark Book? Man, I mean, we're trying to track down all... All these special editions that I'm sure were either only given away to contest winners and the occasional comic book store. Man, ah, uh, I gotta find that now. So if you guys got a lead on a silver edition of the Dark Book, let us know. Now, grand prize number two, which is for people 17 or under, is another enormous cauldron packed with 14 classic horror flicks like the original Boris Karloff Frankenstein movie and the unforgettable creature from the Black Lagoon. A bunch of PVC universal monster figures that silver signed by Nelson Dark book, those cool universal monsters and Tales for the Crypt card sets, a couple of Tales for the Crypt Keeper comics based on the Saturday morning cartoon from EC, enough candy to give you such a sugar high you won't come down till the year 2001, and an awesome looking King Kong soft vinyl kit from Dark Horse. I will tell you, I have a near complete set of the Tales from the Crypt cards, and they are very fun. There's just a lot of jokes, obviously, as you would imagine, mixed into it, plus they have like behind the scenes cards, and so it's really neat. In fact, I actually got to have a John Kassir, who did the voice of the Crypt Keeper, as my co-star in an episode of my YouTube series, which is called RD's Retro Detention. So if you want to go back and check out the 2020 Halloween episode, I even wrote a song about the Crypt Keeper in that. So yeah, it's a very fun thing for your Halloween enjoyment. All right, let's get on to the rest of the contest details. You know you want all that stuff. You know you'll do anything to get it. Well, we've made it very doable. Just take a gander at these five songs sick, horrible comic book scenes and figure out what particular issues they are from. And, yeah, I have no idea, because, like, it's even hard to make out what is happening in these scenes. Like, they're almost so grotesque that you're just like, wait, what is going on? But I do see a savage dragon in the mix, and, I, I mean, that's really all I can make out. Like, we'll post this on social media. We'll see if any of you guys who are into that sicko stuff can identify it properly. But, they say that's all you gotta do, other than to fill out the form below with the correct answers, of course. We're looking for the particular issues here with numbers, people. Mailing in your completed entry, too. And they say, in particular, he says two more important things. Please enclose documented proof of your age, whether you're 10, 20, or 120 years old, and hurry, your deadline's December 29th, 1994. If we receive your entry after that date, Wizard Editorial Assistant Bob, the Undertaker, Marshall, will come to your house and shake and bake your pet. Man, that is pretty gruesome all right here we go with the lethal legal jargon as they call it here no purchase necessary contest is open to anyone except employees of wizard press chaos comics universal pictures cards ec and dark horse their immediate families and that gross worm thing that craig t nelson threw up at poltergeist 2 yeah all right, and the second joke offer void were prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purpose and rules hereof. Whatever you do, don't open that door, please. Don't open that. Ah! There you go. So the cauldron of terror contest. Uh, now the winner that they're announcing on this page is Matthias Reeve of Winnipeg Manitoba Canada the winner of Wizard Over 37's Maximum Carnage Contest so apparently the wrongly accused villains who were not part of Maximum Carnage were the Hobgoblin and Shocker which I'm pretty sure I got that right when I predicted that so that's exciting but the Maximum Carnage Contest I mean that was where you could win like I believe you got like a Super Nintendo you got the game you got all sorts of stuff so hey it went to Canada those lucky Canucks, and that does it for Caps' Kooky Contests. And now it's time for Robin's Reading Rainbow. All right, so issue 40 of Wizard features in the picks from the Wizard's Hat section the official release of Ash Number One from Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palmiotti's Event Comics. Now, if you'll recall, the character actually debuted for the public on a cover to issue thirty-seven of Wizard before you know any comics had actually been released. So it was a big deal. That was kind of a Wizard exclusive, and surely Jimmy and Joe uh, were very excited to get that cover at the time. They had done some work for Wizard previously, but now the comic was. On shelves says the release date was November of 1994. So let's hear what Wizard's write-up said. There's not a lot to tell about Ash, says the unusually modest Joe Quesada about the first book with partner inker Jimmy Palmiotti from their new company Event Comics. It's your basic action-oriented superhero book. We're just trying to tell more of a story than some comics do. The tale centers on Ashley Quinn, a fireman who makes a startling discovery about himself as he fights a deadly inferno. Part of the conflict will be for Ash to retain his fireman persona and balance it against his other newly revealed side, says Penciler and co-writer Kasada. The problem is that Ash doesn't know what that other side involves. He has no control over his powers or any understanding of how they work. It's frustrating for him not to be able to use his powers when he's fighting a fire because they seem fire-based. The book represents the creative partner's first foray into writing in addition to performing the art chores. We're really proud of it, Casada says. Overall, it's probably the best work we've done to this point. He also warns readers keep your eyes open, because I like to sneak little things into the background that grow to be important later. One clue? A major player will appear in the first few pages of this issue, but that won't be apparent for many more issues. So yeah, so there you go. This is what they're saying. There's kind of some mystery around it, but it is their first time out. So what did I think? Well, I was able to get my hands on the first four issues. And man, first of all, you just gotta pat these guys on the back. They know how to do an awesome cover, okay? Because these are all wraparound covers. The first one is just kind of a a full body torso shot of Ash just staring you down. He's got the fire in his eyes and the, the flame Going all around him. But then you open up the book, and it is ghoulish from page one because you just see this burned, charred face in the darkness screaming, Yeah! And then it just says, bird, baby, bird. What you're introduced to in the opening scene is basically a bunch of firefighters, yes, fighting a fire. So they're all in there. People are being carried out. They're being rescued. You do see that character that they are alluding to who will become important later. And then on the fourth page, what you find is a charred, burned body in the wreckage. And the firefighter who's there, he says, oh, man, he's one of ours. Ashley? So they rush him to the hospital. You see him in there like, you know, the doctors in the ER. They're not sure they can save him. They're just like, what the? But then you click over to the next page and suddenly he is awake and he's making jokes about everybody giving him a sponge bath. So yeah, there's this mystical recovery that everybody's just kind of can't believe what's going on. But they're also not as inquisitive as I would imagine because at least one of them saw his fully charred body and now he has skin. So it seems like you'd be like, how did that happen? Now, there's also another firefighter who was not as lucky, and he is still in the bed there. So anyway, you go back to Ashley's house, and he falls asleep watching the news. And when he wakes up, he's surrounded by all this electricity, and he says, where's the fire? And all of a sudden, ah. Yeah, there's a lot of screaming in this book. And he's just all red and bugged out. He's vomiting fire. There's these streams of flame all around him. You see him say, Dad, because you have this, what seems to be an echo of the past. You're not a hero, Ashley. Stay back. Dad, come back. And he reaches through this flame and you see the ash gauntlet in hand come out the other side. But then he passes out again. (laughs) So anyway, he goes to a local bar and he decides to talk it over with his friend, the bartender. And essentially from there, there's this explosion on a bridge, there's kind of this traffic accident, and there's this huge fire, and all of a sudden he wakes up again, and he starts vomiting flame, and it transforms him completely into... Ash, So it's this huge double page spread and you see him lunging into duty. This is kind of fun in that he jumps down out of his second or third story window on his motorcycle and then takes off towards the bridge. He's totally silent at this point. He's not saying anything. And when he shows up, there is a snake dragon woman demon. And she says, I'm not having a good day here and I'm going to take it out on somebody. So yeah, so that was what you have in the first, you know, action elements of what is going on here. Now what I will say is that uh Quesada and Palmiati in each issue they have gotten a comics pro to do a pinup of Ash and in this first one it's Barry Windsor Smith and he is posing with two characters that I assume are some sort of character owned creatures called Strange Hands and Brawn. I don't know what they are from but it is a Barry Windsor Smith joint I am sure. And then they give a little biography. So it's kind of cool how they decide that they will... Uh, give the spotlight to one of their friends that I'm sure they've met at conventions or just working with them. There's also a letters section in the back where everybody basically gets their chance to talk. So, you know, Jimmy's got a spot to talk. You got Joe has his spot to talk. Of course, you have the letters coming in, even though it's the first issue, but the preview issues that were sent out. And then Lori Braddock, she's the editor and publisher of Event Comics. So that's kind of the team that's involved there. They do a lot of like updates about the trials and tribulations of putting out A creator-owned book. But getting back to the story here, so, yeah, the second issue, instead of like a torso shot, you have Ash just kind of uh, in profile, just his face, but when you get to the back cover, it's his human face as Ashley, like, screaming with flame behind him, so it's kind of blending into the hair of Ash. So anyway, the Ash character, this hero of flame, is battling this woman. Uh, There's not really a whole lot of, uh, Explanation: She's just kind of like taunting him a lot. So it's kind of out of nowhere. And he just makes short work of her, you know, just beats up this demon and it is gone. And then he comes up out of the water of this dock because basically he jumped off the bridge and he crawls out later on. Now, this is the funny thing. I didn't mention this previously, but in the first issue, when he passed out before he went to fight this demon on the bridge, he's wearing a spawn baseball jersey, which I am almost certain is something that Todd McFarlane was wearing. I don't know if they were for sale to the Spawn fans but it's definitely a nod to Todd there. Uh, So anyway, so he gets back to his house now and you see that he is looking at himself and he doesn't have a scar where he used to have a scar so it goes into a flashback about where the scar came from. You see his dad who's this big tough guy telling him he's grounded and then his buddy comes up he's like, hey man, we gotta go to that concert he sneaks out his window to go to the concert but when he does, he kicks off a candle that he had lit that was sitting on top of a skull because he's so rock and roll and uh, it set the house on fire while they were at the concert apparently so when he gets back it's in flames he tries to run in he's always saying like dad dad and that's where his dad was telling him Ashley stay back you're not a hero I guess while he is burning to death and so he tries to reach in to save his dad but the flames scar his arm and so now when he comes out of the flashback the scar has returned now another funny little easter egg here is the the other firefighter who is still at the hospital he is watching tv and the news is on and who are the news anchors yes it's lois and clark and they literally call each other lois and clark but they're kind of drawn in the 1940s style you know it's that old school look you know clark definitely has the spit curl and all of that but you know lois has the short cropped hair and anyway it's just kind of a fun little extra that he shoved in there with the art It's weird because there's not really, like, a mystery yet. Like, I feel like he's not asking as many questions as he should be. He's kind of just wandering around and taking it as it is. And he gets onto his motorcycle and he takes off. But wouldn't you know it, he gets accosted by some mutant street thugs. Well, I don't know if they're officially mutants, but they look like the mutants, I feel like, from Dark Knight Returns. So they knock him off his bike and then they shove an ice pick in his face. And when that happens, of course he vomits flame and transforms into ash. Now, I don't know if you're noticing it yet, but I'm mentioning flames, transformation, and motorcycles. He's basically an echo of Ghost Rider, and I don't think that was anything I ever anticipated. I mean, he's got flame-based powers, he rides a motorcycle, and he transforms when there is violence or, I mean, innocence. I mean, in this case, I would say when they are flame-based issues, but this time they just like pulled a knife on him, and he was the innocent. You know, nobody started a fire, so it can't always be fire-related. And yeah, then he hulks out, and he transforms, and now he's this silent destroyer of evil you know he melts their daggers they're trying to stab him with and all that kind of stuff And so the issue ends on somebody saying, freeze, turn around real slow or they'll have to bury you in a bucket. So we don't know who it is, but they're saying freeze, so we're going to guess it's the cops. And there seems to be some consideration for Ash being involved in the incident on the bridge. Now, I will mention in this issue, the particular pinup that we get is from Mike Mignola and Hellboy and Ash are posing together. So there you go. Now, when we get two. Issue three, the second and third pages are like another huge splash page of him holding up his gauntlets and blasting these guys that actually, hey, it turns out they're not cops. Or if they are, they're in some super-duper armor. They definitely look very cable-esque. But he shoots the flames out on him, and he jumps on his car, and they actually say, he must know our guns aren't real. He's getting away. He knows we're bluffing. I can't move. My shoes are melted to the street. So, that's kind of a cool move as you melt somebody's boots or shoes to the street and they can't come after you. Pretty tricky. Anyway, there's some more men in black that are very suspicious and they are waiting for Ash, but he manages to jump over them with his motorcycle. Now, this is a very cool D transformation I guess you call it, where he is turning from Ash back into Ashley, the firefighter. It's not like his skin is melting off, but instead it's like the mouth is getting wider and then the mouth basically like pulls backwards over his head and his real head comes out through it and he keeps going, it hurts, it hurts. Interestingly enough, the next thing you see is that he is having flashbacks to the incident where he got burned in the first place so you see him kind of in this house where he's trying to rescue and then you see this mysterious face again that basically looks like some sort of clown this is the second time we've seen the character in three issues but we don't quite know what it's all about yet anyway so after all that you see Ash goes back to his favorite watering hole and again he's hanging out with his bartender buddy and so you're kind of meeting. Eating all the different barflies and he doesn't believe what ashley is telling him about the fact that he's now transforming into this creature so he takes him into the bathroom and he vomits flame and he transforms and the guy's like looking at him like he can't believe it but you would think he would kind of run out of the place you know <laughs> you'd imagine that he wouldn't be hanging out for very long but he kind of takes it in stride and they end up Going and digging. And it's really weird. He says, Ashley, yeah, Joel, what are we looking for again? Something I saw in a dream. Oh, yeah, right. Ashley, yeah, Joel, isn't this the same place you had your accident? Yep. So what'd you see in your dream? A machine. Oh. Which I don't remember that, but I'd have to go back in the issues. And so they go down there and, yeah, it is some type of chamber that you could probably put a body in. Uh, But they go through this whole run of Star Trek jokes. So he says, well, what do you know? It looks like a bleeding coffin out of the Star Trek show you fancy so much. I wonder if it's got any of those dilithium crystals in it. Is it me? Or are you taking this a little too lightly? Would you prefer it if I just lost all sense of reality? Just give." Maybe a hand pulling it out. Damn it, Jim, I'm a bartender, not a moving man. Speaking to how I feel, is like, yeah, this guy's really, really taking it in stride in a way you wouldn't imagine. So anyway, they pull it out and they carry it with them and put it into a pickup truck, which this thing doesn't look like it could be easily carried, but maybe Ashley has superhuman strength now. And it's weird because... You see this weird thing in the shadow is somebody crying with a Sin City hat on and a Hellboy t-shirt, but it's all in shadow. So all you see are the logos of those things. Next is kind of another weird turn of events. There is a girl gang. So there's a gang of four girls that are hijacking a subway car. It's not really clear why they're doing it, but they're all just kind of like bickering between each other and talking about how like, uh, uh, yoo I can drive a train. My dad used to work for the Transit Authority. Your dad was a janitor for the Port Authority. Yeah, whatever. You know, so it's just kind of like girl speak. But anyway, they, uh, you see Ashley gets back, uh, onto the job, and he is now going to help them fight a fire, and strangely enough, he is hearing things, so he's like, oh, I can save this person. But next thing you know, another double-page spread, and there is an angel who has giant wings, and he's His eyes are covered by some sort of cloth and he says, I believe that you'll find these young ladies are the cause of this disaster. Please make sure they receive the proper punishment. So, apparently what happened was the angel stopped the girl gang from taking over the subway car and to catch these sinners. So again, there seems to be some mystical elements involved in the story. We don't know how they relate yet. Uh, now the pin-up in issue number three is from Jeff Darrow, who was doing the big guy and Rusty the boy robot at this time. So that's what his pinup is all about. You see Ash looking as uh, the big guy and Rusty are fighting some giant drooly monster. So kind of cool kind of cool all right now as we close out here ash number four is where we finally start to see some of these pieces that were teased pay off and so what you see is there is this movie playing and you see the dialogue from the movie and then you see immediately after a different color dialogue box repeating the exact same stuff. And in this case, it's somebody who's watching Scarface and you see that it is the guy that that was the clown-faced fella. Uh, But we're not going to get everything we need to know about him yet because you go to another double-page spread of the Angel character, and he is talking to Ashley, and he's basically explaining... He is the angel Gabriel, although he says, we are Gabriel. We are judge, jury, and justice. We are the avenging angel of the prophecies. Is basically telling Ash, you know, I've managed to prevent this from becoming a tragedy. Had there been any fatalities, their punishment would have been ours to give, and my punishment always fits the crime. So it's the kind of thing he's like, okay, well, I guess they didn't kill anybody, so I can't avenge anybody. So he transforms again because he's so mad that he wants to find out why Gabriel is just taking off and what if he know has any answers so he's chasing him and he says we sense your power use it yes that's it use it fire yes fire will cleanse the earth perhaps you are the one the lamb the deliverer the savior perhaps but for now we have other judgments to consider and you more pressing matters wait Ash is Jesus? (laughs) I don't know what is going on here. Uh, Sounds like there's a whole lot more to get into. But there's another fire going on. So Ash breaks in and he tries to save this girl. And then he transforms back into his normal self, wherein we see that the clown fella says, Upstage me again and I'll kill ya! And so Ashley recognizes him from his dreams. And that's when you see now that he... He is somehow related to these fires that have been going off. So now he's a little curious about that. Uh, I will mention uh, there is another guy who is giving somebody a ride and he is wearing an evil Ernie shirt. Okay, and then you see again the guy in the Sin City hat who is getting a ride and somebody says, hey, anybody ever tell you you look like John Travolta? Nah, never. That's because you don't. Take it easy, sleazy. And then the guy who gave a ride takes off. So there's a lot of jokes and comedy and this kind of wise guy humor in here, which I could definitely see from Cassada and Palmiati. Seems like it fits pretty well. Now, there is this guy who is giving Ashley some trouble at the station, one of his fellow firefighters, who says, listen, I heard reports from passengers talking about some winged angel saving their lives, and I saw that fiery stuff melt off those girls. Yeah, so? I still can't explain what happened to you at that building? I saw you burned alive, but now you're fine, and Mike's in a wheelchair. But anyway, now we finally get to what is going on who is this clown guy okay so you see his name is alexander at least according to this blonde haired dude in glasses and a suit who shows up behind him he's busy accused of being involved in all these recent calamities and he says you know that's not my style father so whoever this guy is, this mysterious man in charge of the clown, which he is officially called the actor, we eventually find out, which makes sense because he's always quoting Shakespeare, he's, he's repeating the words in these movies and all those types of things. But the mysterious man says, oh, and by the way, Alexander, for a smart man, you are, as the bard said, the picture of a bunking idiot. Now get it done. Yes, father. So basically, he's supposed to go out there and stop Ash. Is the mission he has been given. So, now you see that Ash is there. Somebody is calling out hey we need your help down here blah 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 so he goes down there and there's somebody else in a fireman's outfit but wouldn't you know it it is the actor and he's like we have a winner tell me what he's won don pardo you could have taken the cash ashley but instead you've won what's behind curtain number three and so the crazy thing that happens though is that somehow the actor has a flamethrower and he burns him again So his final word is, cause you're toast, dude. After he's been quoting all this Shakespeare. And that you just have Ashley's body burnt to a crisp. So yeah, it'd be very interesting to see what he does now. After he's already Ash and he gets burned, does he get to recuperate miraculously again? Who knows? We'd have to check out issue number five. So, what did I think? of these first four issues of Ash. Well, here's what I'll say. You know, I was never really high on the image founders where a lot of people said it was more based on the art, right? It's like, oh, we like their art style, so we're picking up their books. Their art styles never made me pick up the books, right? But with Joe Cassata and Jimmy Palmiati, I don't, I assume it's because I have more goodwill because Joe Cassata is the first comics professional I ever met at a store and at a signing. But to me, I look at his art and I'm always intrigued by it. I'm always excited to see his layouts and see how he puts things together inside of a comic. Because yeah, it's super cartoony. It's very outlandish in a lot of ways, very exaggerated, but it always seems to fit very well Especially, you know, I see hints of ninjack in here. I see hints of his work, you know, designing Azrael and then doing that one shot that he did. So I could definitely see all his influences kind of coalescing, his past work and the things that he is very interested in and his influences in the world of comics as we've read these interviews. And so this is what I would say about it. Like, after reading four issues, would I want to read more? And I think I would at least give it like two more issues after this. And I would say, okay, are you going to reveal any more about his origin? And when I know who all the players are... Like, is he fighting, you know, heaven and hell? Is this like Spawn? Or is he fighting demons from another dimension? Is that where his power comes from? You know, those types of things, then I would probably say, okay, I like it, I don't like it. Right now, it's still so much of a mystery that all I can come back to is say, you know what, the art is really engaging and fun, and he's got some cool action set pieces, which feels like, you know, that era right that is 90s comics and it doesn't have all the convoluted nature yet of an x-men soap opera type thing so i think it would have kept me coming back a little bit longer but if it didn't give more answers soon i would probably let it go because it's setting up so much and I need to see it pay off somewhere. And the fact that the actor just feels like the Joker who quotes TV shows and movies, that isn't a great villain to me. So I want to understand who the bigger bads are in this. But overall, I could see why so many people were on board for Ash when it came out, why Wizard was so high on it, why it lasted for several years. You know, this wasn't a flash in the pan. This wasn't a failure. And so I'm glad to know that there is more out there if I choose to pursue it, but if you guys love Ash, I want to hear why. If you want to spill the beans on anything and spoil it for me, feel free. What is it all about, ultimately? What was Ash's origin? And not just getting burned and miraculously coming back as a superhero, who sometimes transforms when there's fire related issues, or when innocence? like what what is the trigger for his powers, and does he ever learn to control it? I'm going to assume yes. So many questions still. But in the meantime, let's see what we have up next. Oh, yeah. Now it's time for Hunk and Babe of the Month. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan. New York and Japan. All right. The babe this month is Diva. I believe she is part of Stormwatch, but uh, let's read on and find out. Wow, that's some lack of costume Diva sporting there. If I were a teammate of hers in Stormwatch, I really don't think I'd get all that much done. I'd be too busy wondering about all sorts of scenarios <laughs> involving four quarts of oil and a slip and slide. Yikes, wizard. And hey, nice thong. Does it ever, uh, Hey, how long must it take to wash hair like that? Uh, where do you put it when you go to the bathroom? Boy, the heroes of today sure face challenges their golden age counterparts never even dreamed of. Uh... Whoop! Went off on, on a tangent. Uh, sorry. Aside from her looks, figure, creamy smooth skin, and awesome freaking hair, Diva's also got all sorts of special government clearance. So odds are that if you date her, she'll be able to get rid of your parking tickets and stuff. Maybe even get you Paula Jones's autograph. Paula Jones's autograph. Okay, that needs a little bit of context for those who weren't around in the 90s and weren't paying attention to the news. So it's well known that former President Bill Clinton couldn't keep it in his pants. And that went back to before he was even in the White House. And Paula Jones was a former Arkansas government worker who basically sued Bill Clinton for sexual harassment. And of course, that didn't stop him from continuing to harass. And of course, many other women came out of the woodwork during this time as well, but Paula Jones was kind of the first one who didn't actually have an affair with him, but was more like, knock it off, Bill. Yeah crazy. Alright, now it's on to our hunk of the month, and it's Steel. My, he's certainly a, a strapping young man. Ooh. And he has an earring, too. How macho. Yes, indeedy, this here Steel fella may have been the crappiest of the four Superman introduced back when the true soups was sucking wind. Er, uh, uh, make that not sucking wind. What? The crappiest? No way! But gracious, he certainly can fill out a tank top and a pair of Levi's to round out this hunky pack. John Henry Irons, that's Steel's secret identity, is one smart chunk of beef as well. You see, Baldy here created that ultra-spiffy suit of Steel Long Johns that he wears when he's buzzing around clobbering bad guys. And can you believe it? The guy's not even married. Wow. Strong and smart. Solid. Man. Calling him the crappiest of the supermen, Not by a long shot, man. The Eradicator, man. The man of tomorrow with his stupid glasses and his onesie costume. Man, he was definitely the lamest cyborg superman was awesome superboy was cool steel was excellent but yeah oh man wizard you were off the mark off the mark but that does it for our hunk and babe of the month this issue now let's get on to the top 10 heroes and villains of the month <laughs> Wait a minute. We're taking this month off from the usual hot heroes and villains listings to bring you the 10 coolest looking spooky characters. You try writing different stuff about the same 10 characters for a year. Ugh. Yeah, so let's get into it here. First up is Venom in the number one spot. Mmm, looks like Venom here just spotted a Gary Coleman kebab. Now that's good eating. Though he's a mite played out these days, Venom was easily the coolest looking fella in the comics back when McFarlane was drawing him. No stupid long tongue, no light green spit, no stupid overdone eyes, just a cool looking spooky character that quickly became the Spider-Man villain part human, part alien symbiote. Venom was once reporter Eddie Brock. When he lost his job due to shoddy reporting skills, he blamed Spidey, of course, Eddie bonded with the symbiote, which had recently been defeated by Spider-Man. Together, they were the sweetest couple since Mickey and Mallory. Mickey and Mallory? I don't know what that is in reference to. Is is that a movie? Is that a TV series? Somebody help me out. Number two is Hellspont from Wildcats. Don't let my cotton candy head fool you. I'm evil. Evil. Hey, Hey, settle down, buddy, or we'll turn the hose on you, you maniac. Sheesh. You let a guy know that he's one of the coolest-looking characters in comics, and it goes straight to his cabeza. Aside from his good looks, this extraterrestrial Wildcats villain is getting even more fuel for his ego by appearing as the heavy in the new Wildcats cartoon. And a toy figure of the old flay braid is in the works, courtesy of the fellas over at Playmates. All in all, a very cool-looking bad guy, and even though he's dead, for now, he's one of our favorites. So, of the Wildcats figures, the only two I ever bought were Maul and Hellspont and I just thought Hellspont looked so cool. I didn't read Wildcats comics but it was such a great design especially for the toy. Speaking of great designs, number three is Lord Pumpkin. Whoa, looks like Lord Pumpkin here just chowed down on some grub from a sidewalk vendor somewhere south of the border. If you're curious to see what he ate just stick around for a couple of minutes one way or another. We're bound to find out. Anyway, Lord Pumpkin who was once a kind of gentle soul created to be a playmate for a spoiled young prince was torn by the Prince until Pump snapped, killing his charge, his family, and anybody else that got in his way. So instead of pursuing a career as a guest on the talk show circuit, evil pumpkin headed columns and the women who love them on the next. Pupsy became one of them supervillain types, and we like him better this way. Next up is Ghost Rider. So it says, it just dawned on us, if you want to make a cool-looking comic book character, just set its head on fire. Don't try this in real life, though. Mark Mass, who entered as Ghost Rider in our Halloween costume contest, lit his head on fire, and all he got was a bunch of crappy books. The whole story behind the Ghost Rider fella is that he's a real powerful spirit bonded to a human and when somebody does a rudeness to an innocent, BAM! GR shows up and somebody gets their clock cleaned. With that level of angst and hostility, old GR must have been an art student or something in a previous life. So yeah, be sure to check out our YouTube video about the Halloween costume contest and then check social media. Uh, We'll be posting those uh, pictures as well from the costume contest. That guy was crazy. Number five is the alien, like the Xenomorph from the Aliens movies. Somebody get this guy some Tartar Control Crest and a good toothbrush. Yuck! That's about three pounds of plaque on this critter. Aside from his teeth, actually, I don't think his is appropriate here. Aliens, aside from the queen, are like drone bees, which makes them asexual. That's gotta suck. Anyway, aside from its teeth, aliens are easily the coolest looking movie monsters and one of the all-time coolest groups of creepy crawlers ever created. Talk about your alliteration. With their inhuman strength, tough exoskeleton, super keen double snapping jaws, spiked tails, and acid blood that can eat through anything, these little burgers are definitely the best Yes, there is in what they do. Sorry, Wolvie. All right, the number six spot is The Predator. I'm not only the president, I'm also a client, says the founder of the hair club for stubby-headed crab-faced dreadlock wearing fishy-smelling alien humanoid ass-kickers. Well, aside from having cabezas muy prickly, these fellas win hands down for the meanest monsters ever. Aside from not being too easy on the eyes, these guys hail from a race of warriors, and when they're not all fighting, they're hunting. And when they go hunting, they go hunting for the likes of aliens, humans, Schwartz and it just whatever's big and puts up a real fight. Now, if we could only convince them studio weasels to do an alien versus predators flick. Well, you eventually got your wish there, wizard. Next up is Dead Man. Hey, that Weight Watcher stuff really works. Dead Man, Buster brand to his friends, was a high-wire aerialist until he was shot during a performance by an assassin as part of the assassin's initiation into a fun group. And Mr. Brand went splat. Wonder if it was the same circus where Dick Grayson's parents went splat. Anywho, upon his death, the Hindu goddess Ramakushna brought Mr. Brand back to ghost life to right wrongs, look out for the little guy, and do all sorts of other cool stuff. With his power to possess other baddies and the fact that he can get in movies for free and hang out in girls' locker rooms unnoticed. Woo-hoo-ee! It's gotta be neat to be him, but it's, it's gotta really bite being dead. Spider aliens are number eight. We had a little joke about them in the fried print earlier. What is this, Grizzly Adam's spider alien? This guy's gotta have a couple of pounds of crusty soup and tuna salad stuck in his beard. If he ever got hungry, he could just wring his beard into a pot of water and make a hearty broth. Campbell's, eat your heart out other than that vomit inducing thought uh these guys are nasty for a whole bunch of other reasons including their plot to take over earth subjugate the human race and snack on us so when their tummies rumble and pants the entire royal family their evil knows no bounds good thing solar got ticked off and blew 99% of these scum buckets to kingdom come alright sludge from malibu's ultraverse ah choo. ugh somebody get me a big kleenex sludge looking like he was eating some rants and French onion soup when he sneezed is the slappiest entry in this month's spooky character countdown, yeah. His looks are inspired by Swamp Thing and Man Thing, but those two, who are all made up of salad and stuff, like a hell of a lot more tasty than they do Spooky. Think of it, sprinkle some Bako's artificially flavored bacon bits on Swamp Thing, jam a cherry tomato in his butt, coat him with blue cheese, and boom, one vertigo appetizer coming up. Sludge, on the other hand, is just a dripping... Crooked ex-cop who lives in the sewer. Not at all yummy. Alright, finally in the number 10 spot are the Brood. We already went over one surefire way to make a character look cool. Light its head on fire. If that ever fails, jam about 100 pointy teeth in its freaking head. That'll do the job. Just ask Venom, Carnage, the shark... Nah, he doesn't count. Already in the three dozen violator demons. But anyway, what makes these alien critters so neat is the fact that they jam a brood embryo into you, which consumes you when it hatches. Alien ripoff, yeah, but it's still cool. They have a spiffy tail stinger thingy, and they're smart so they can talk good English and stuff. All things considered, a fun alien to have around, and one of the comics, and one the comics code doesn't mind having gutted. Yeah, it seems kind of lame. At 5 and 10, you basically have the same type of creature when they, as they reference there, the brood are just ripoffs of the alien xenomorphs. But hey, scary is scary. All right, now it's time for Mort of the Month. <laughs> This time around, our mort is Ultra, the multi-alien. Wizard says, Ultra, the multi-alien, huh? More like Jackass, the ridiculous alien, if you ask me. Who was dropping acid at DC when this load of horse crap was created? To make matters worse, this piece of dead weight has an origin even cheesier than the worst Roger Corman flick. Check this out. Space pilot Ace Arn was piloting a tourist space cruise when the ship was caught in the magnetic field of a comet. While he helped evacuate the rest of the ship, he couldn't escape in time. After awakening in a cavern of an asteroid, Ace was attacked by four funky fresh aliens, each brandishing a gun that would turn the victim into a duplicate of the individual firing the gun. Being hit by all four beams at once turned our guy Ace into the four-part Ultra, who after defeating the aliens and returning to Earth became a superhero. Want to be a real hero, Ace? Go drive a nail into your forehead and jump in front of a bus. Now that would be a good deed. A little harsh there, Wizard, for Ultra the multi-alien, but yeah, this guy He's got his four quadrants uh, split between his chest and arms and his legs, so kind of rough there, but yeah, there you go. The top 10 spookiest heroes and villains of the month. And that does it for this edition of Wizards Half. Yes, episode 40.5 is in the books. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you didn't creep you out too much. Ooh! But yes, we have plenty more to come on the uh, main episodes. I will tell you that in episode 41, we have an awesome trio of guests. Ooh, trio. Yes, indeed. They are from the Dollar Bin Bandits podcast, which you can check out on YouTube. They do awesome interviews with like big names, guys, like names that are constantly in Wizard. So you might want to go check them out and get used to their vibe. But they are a super fun group. We had a great conversation talking about the 300-page year-ender Wizard number 41 and amazingly we kept it under two hours so I, I hope that you will look forward to that episode and also just so you know with episode 42 Michael and Stephen are back oh the boys are back in town so you'll be able to hear the original trio of Wizards reunited having some fun be sure to check us out on Twitter at Wizards Comics on Instagram at Wizards underscore comics are you subscribed to our YouTube channel get on over there at Wizards podcast because we have more videos on on the way. Like I said, the Halloween costume contest is going to be presented as a video with our commentary. Should be super fun. So check it out. And until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded.